Come on, kids. Come on up here. It was a little hesitant. I thought maybe they'd catch up, you know, pick up on that a little bit quicker, but anyhow. Okay, boys and girls, let me ask you a question. How many of you have coloring books? How many of you, if you don't have a coloring book now, you have had a coloring book? How many of you don't know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about a coloring book? Okay, you all know what I'm talking about. Well, I, I didn't have any coloring books, so I printed up a page last night, and I decided I would color that, and how do you think that is? Huh? Hmm. They, they don't seem to like my, my coloring. I don't understand. This is Bambi, Duncan. You, you, what's, what's the statute? What's the statute of limitations on, on Bambi? <laughs> uh, all right. So, so you know what? I, I'm not the best color in the world, and the kids picked up on that right away. But I'll tell you something. We are just four days away. This is 27, 28, 29, 30, 34. We are four or five days away, depending on how you figure it, from a brand new year. Okay. How many of you have old coloring books that are all colored up? Everything's colored. Pages are ripped. It's all torn. It's all bent up. It's all folded. How many have got coloring books like that? All right. You've got some of those. One of the neatest things in the world is to get a whole new coloring book, and I don't have one for you. But what we do have is we have for the girls, Sophia... And we have for the boys, Jungle Boy, whatever, I don't know what his name is, I can't pronounce it. And Sophia and Jungle Boy have nothing to do with the spiritual lesson today, but you know what it does have to do with? Every year, every year is like a brand new page that God gives to us every single year. And you know what? Sometimes we mess up. Sometimes we don't do things exactly the way God says we ought to do them. We don't stay in God's lines and we get all over the place, and we mess up stuff, and it gets kind of wrinkled up, and, and, and just we don't take care of things the way we should. But you know what? God is so good because he gives you a brand new year to start off right. The Bible says if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And guess what? It's just like we never messed up to begin with. When we do it God's way, it's like we never messed up to begin with because he gives us a brand new page. But you don't even have to wait until every year. This can be something every single day God gives you an opportunity to start over. So I'm going to ask the girls to come and get uh, one of the, uh, uh, the, the Sophias and the boys to come and get the uh, Jungle Boy. And I want you to take them with you. And, and I know some of you guys are thinking, I don't really want to color that. I'm going to tell you something. If you, if you color this and you bring it back to, to Miss Pat by next Sunday morning, you can do it today, you can do it uh, next week. If you bring it back to Miss Pat by next Sunday morning, you're going to be very, 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 very glad that you did, okay? I'm not going to tell you more than that. So let's have a word of prayer and ask God to bless us as we go to class, all right? Our Father, we thank you so much for our kids here. Lord, I pray that you would help us to always thank you for the brand new sheet that you give us, the brand new start that you give us, not just once a year, but every single day. Every single time we mess up, you let us start over because of what Jesus did for us. So bless us, we pray, and be with the kids today and with the teachers, and watch over moms and dads here in this service too, we pray in Jesus' name. And all the people said, amen. God bless you. Go ahead and go to class. Thank you for... 
for being here today, and I hope you learn a whole, whole lot. Now today, kind of an incredible, weird title, I guess. Uh, when Rachel was announcing it uh, a couple of weeks ago, she was like, uh, post-Christmas blues? What is that? Uh, in Luke chapter 2, and this is going to seem even more off the wall when I read the reference to you until I try to unfold it a little bit better and explain it to you a little bit more. Luke chapter 2, verse 22. And when the days of her purification, referring to Mary, according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him, that is Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, we have just been through the Christmas season getting ready for New Year's Eve coming up this week. And Christmas, it is said, is the happiest time of the year. Uh, everywhere there's joy, celebration, smiling faces, family coming in from near and far, presents and lights and parties. Christmas and New Year's are the happiest times of the year. Or are they? Or are they? Do we ever? Do you ever feel like, you personally, don't raise your hand, do you ever feel like the odd man out or the odd woman out? Do you ever feel like uh, you're the only person not having a good time? Seems like everybody else is just really enjoying themselves, but not so much for you. Are you a little or maybe a lot melancholy at this time of the year, particularly? Every year, every holiday season, I try to be real sensitive to the fact that, that some people, when the holidays roll around, are just not a, a ball of joy because something that not very happened, maybe not very happy happened to them. For example, loss of a loved one. Uh, it's always particularly sad. It's, it's sad to lose a loved one. It's really sad to lose one around a holiday time, birthday time, anniversary time, because then every time that event rolls around, your mind focuses on the loss. Some are reminded of sad memories. Some seem not to have anything to celebrate. Some can be really, really down. But I think in addition, there are a lot of us who, who are celebrating and joyous on the holiday, but awaken to the day after Christmas to the post-Christmas blues. Now, what in the world? How am I going to tie Luke chapter 2 with that whole concept and idea? Well, I just read Luke chapter 2, verse 22, and, and what do those verses have to do with the blues? They are real life. And, and I'm afraid sometimes we read the Word of God and we just kind of gloss over things without really letting the truth of what we just read sink in. Because not all was joyous for Mary and Joseph in Bethlehem. I mean, Mary had just had a baby. Uh, she was happy to have had the baby, but that, that brings with it a, a whole set of problems. And, and they were away from family, and, and, and they, even though they bore joy into a really sad world, let's see the rest of the story for them, all right? Let's see the rest of the story. The first point in your outline, if you have that in your bulletin, is loneliness. Mary and Joseph were away from home. They were newly married, and they missed mom and dad. Now, I'm going to tell you, some of you in this room either have been there or are there right now. Some of you military families, you, you, you've moved here from wherever, Connecticut or Rhode Island or Florida or Texas or North Dakota or wherever, and, and you got married to that guy, and you didn't realize he's going to drag you off to the far ends of the world, to the liberal state of California. You didn't know that was going to happen. Or maybe, guys, you married her and didn't know she was going to drag you off uh, to, this, to this area. I don't know. 
Uh, who knew uh, back then? But, but you were newly married. You missed mom and dad away from family, away from friends, away from the home fires, away from your church that you grew up in, away from family and friends that you knew your whole life. If you're in the Navy, this may be for you. The embers glowed softly and in their dim light. I gazed around the room and I cherished the sight. My wife was asleep, her head on my chest, my daughter beside me, angelic in rest. Outside the snow fell a blanket of white, transforming the yard to a winter delight. For you who are Southern California people, uh, white stuff on the ground is snow. It's really cold. You have to shovel it. It freezes up things. Uh, The sparkling lights in the trees, I believe, completed the magic that was Christmas Eve. My eyelids were heavy. My breathing was deep, secure, and surrounded by love. I would sleep in perfect contentment, or so it would seem. So I slumbered. Perhaps I started to dream. The sound wasn't loud, but it wasn't too near. And I opened my eyes when it tickled my ear. Perhaps just a cough I didn't quite know. Then the sure sound of footsteps outside in the snow. My soul gave a tremble. I struggled to hear, and I crept to the door just to see who was near. Standing out in the cold and the dark of night, a lone figure stood, his face weary and tight. A soldier, I puzzled, some 20 years old, perhaps a Marine, huddled here in the cold. Alone in the dark, he looked up and smiled, standing watch over me, my wife, and my child. What are you doing? I asked without fear. Come in this moment. It's freezing out there. Put down your pack, brush the snow from your sleeve. You should have been home on a cold Christmas Eve. For barely a moment, I saw his eyes shift away from the cold and the snow blown in drifts to the window that danced with a warm fire's light. And he sighed and he said, it's really all right. I'm out here by choice. I'm here every night. It's my duty to stand at the front of the fight that separates me, you, from the darkest of times. No one had to ask or beg or implore me. I'm proud to stand here like my father's before me. My gramps died at Pearl on a day in December. Then he sighed, that's a Christmas Graham always remembers. My dad stood his watch in the jungles of Nam, and now it's my turn, so here I am. I've not seen my own son in more than a while, but my wife sends me pictures. He sure got her smile. Then he bent and he carefully pulled from his bag the red, white, and blue, an American flag. I can live through the cold and being alone, away from my family, my house, and my home. I can stand at my post through the rain and the sleet. I can sleep in a foxhole with little to eat. I can carry the weight of killing another or lay down my life with my sister and brother who stand at the front against any and all to ensure for all time that this flag will not fall. So go back inside, he said. Harbor no fright. Your family is waiting and I'll be all right. But isn't there something I can do for you at the least? Give you money, I said, or prepare for you a feast? It seems all too little for all that you've done for being away from your wife and your son. Then as I welled a tear that held no regret, just tell us you love us and never forget. To fight for our rights back at home while we're gone, to stand your own watch no matter how long. For when we come home, either standing or dead, to know you remember we fought and we bled is payment enough. And with that, we will trust that we mattered to you as much as you mattered to us. To all of you who have stood duty and stood watch on a, in a foreign country or on a ship or even at home, thank you so much for that. Uh, I wasn't going to say this, but uh, we had a young man, uh, November the 15th, 2005, who was killed um, and, uh, in the military. And when they were bringing his body home, uh, Matthew Holly, when they were bringing this body home, um, they were going to meet him and unload with a forklift. And his mom and dad, who were both, uh, had been in the army, said, no, you're not. You're going to have an honor guard. You're going to do it right. 
and they did it, and they got together with this guy right here, Duncan Hunter, and they got, is it the Holly Bill? Is that what it's called? The Holly Provision? Holly Bill. It was, it was the Holly Bill, and, and uh, we sat down at a Denny's in National City, and he met with them, and they got it done. And so I just saw again the other night when that, the, the remains came home, uh, they, they had an honor guard out there to meet. And, well, we should have an honor guard to honor those who've done so very, very much for us. So to all of you who, who have served and are serving, I salute you. And God bless you, and thank you for giving us a place like this to be able to meet in safety. And you know what a church is for, partially? It's to help defeat loneliness. It's, it's a family away from family. Our family has been church for the last 40-some years because we were away from most of our family. I would try to get Pat back every year to see her parents and her grandparents when they were still living. But uh, our church became our family, and that's why it's important. That's one of the reasons it's important to get involved so you can ward off that loneliness. The second thing here is circumstances. I want you to notice this. It was 40 days until purification in in Jerusalem according to the law. It was several months until the wise men would actually show. I know, I know your nativity set shows the wise men in the stable. Yeah, you know what? Uh, That's okay, but I don't think they got there for several months. They followed for two years that star, and then they saw the young child and the mom. And so uh, I think it was a little bit later. It would be a few years in Egypt and Nazareth. And so there were all these circumstances that we don't think about because we think of the, the beauty of it all. We think of this, uh, this angelic uh, host above this little stable and it's all somehow pristine and clean and sterile and beautiful and holy and there's music playing and, and the animals are that. Look, animals don't always just lie around looking cute. Sometimes they do things that I won't mention right here, but they do things. It's not always what you think it is. It's it's all that they went through. And so what am I going to say with circumstances? You've got to be careful. You can't control circumstances coming into your life so much of the time. You've got to be careful of the potential valleys that come after the mountaintop times. You've got to be careful because... You remember Elijah on the mountain? Remember that? Remember he took on the false prophets of Baal? Remember? And they had that, that incredible uh, contest, and, and they, they built two altars, and, and, and the, the prophets of Baal prayed and cut themselves and cried out and screamed and hollered and danced and did all kinds of weird things, trying to get Baal to bring down fire from heaven to consume the sacrifice. Not a thing happened. Elijah being the understanding Spiritual man of God he was, says, oh, maybe, maybe Baal's on vacation. Maybe he's taking a nap. You know, cry a little louder. See if that works. And when nothing worked, he said, move over. And he had three barrels of water come in and a drought, three and a half years into a drought. Three barrels of water, poured it over the meat, poured it over the, the wood, poured it over the stones, poured it, it, had a trench dug around it. I mean, he was really, really pouring it on here, okay? Three barrels. Go back and get three more. Three more barrels. Go back. Get three more. Nine barrels of water. I mean, everything's sopping wet. He steps back. He prays about an 18-second prayer, and fire falls from heaven. You know, he's having a good day. That's a good day. And the 450 false prophets were dispatched, which is a code word. They were no longer in the picture. And Elijah goes over to King Ahab, wicked king, and says, you better get home. It's going to rain because, you know, God told me it's going to rain now. Get, get on home. And so 
uh, he runs then and beats Ahab back home. I mean, he's leaning up against the, you know, the pillar of the gates as Ahab rides in. And then Jezebel found out what happened to her prophets. You better figure it out. You're on a mountaintop right now. Guess what? You can't stay on a mountaintop because in order to get to the next mountaintop, you got to go through a valley because it's the valley that makes the mountaintops. And guess what? The God who's God up here is the same God who's God down here. So maybe you're down here right now. You know, it, it, everything was focused on Christmas and now, and that's part of what happens with things come, circumstances come. My, my car wouldn't start the other day. You have a flat tire. All of a sudden, one of the kids gets sick. Beware, just, just expect it. There are going to be valleys that come up to mountaintops, and don't let them crush you. Uh, and here's a little, a little philosophy. Plan something good after something good. Plan something you can look forward to after something good. You focus everything on Christmas, and then all of a sudden the day after there's another. Focus, plan something good after something good. You keep looking for it. And, and the best thing, I think life is good. I think life is wonderful. But plan something even better. Plan eternity with God afterwards by putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Make sure that one day when this life is over, however it ends, that you'll be in heaven forever with loved ones, family, friends who know Christ as their personal Savior. So plan something good after something good. Third thing was physical trauma. Think about these two young people, perhaps teenagers. Birth, going through birth, the possible postpartum blues, the physical adjustments, the hormonal transitions, the sleep disturbances. Poor Joseph. I mean, I see things from my perspective. You see them from yours, okay? Poor Mary. All the stuff, the circumstances that they went through, the, the travel, the weariness. I mean, traveling when she's about ready to give birth, giving birth, not having an adequate place to give birth in, uh, and then having to travel again, and a disruption of schedules and bedtimes and meals and diapers and all of that that had to happen. Plus, sometimes circumstances can bring us down if we're not careful. We've got to realize that God is the God of the circumstances as well. Number four, frustration. Caesar's taxes, taxation, just love taxes. Uh, let's see, January 15th, yeah, quarterly taxes, okay. April 15th, yeah, okay, we know that one, yeah. Census taking, taxes, necessity of travel, uh, no room in the inn, birth in a stable, sanitary, not commodious, uh, more travel to Egypt soon after birth, the frustration of all that, uh, just eating at them. Number five, poverty, like most new couples, I mean, like most new couples, Mary and Joseph didn't have anything. I think, I think back, and when we got married, holy cow, we had, we had, uh, we rented a one-bedroom. It was actually a house with two-thirds of a bath. Am I right on that? One-third was not there. Two-thirds of a bath, one-bedroom, linoleum on the floor that had been there for, oh, I don't know, about Civil War maybe. I'm not sure. We had a couch that was, you know, one of those old velour couch. I mean, this was old velour-type couch. It kind of leaned down, and if you didn't prop it up against the wall, it kind of leaned down. You know what? We were happy. 
We had, we had a set of Melmac dishes. Do you know what Melmac is, Duncan? No. No. Too young. We had Melmac dishes set up and, 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 and for four, I think. And then we had a set of Oneida stainless steel stuff, you know, that she got from her grandmother giving us S&H green stamp books and taking him into a redemption center. Now all the young people here, his eyes just glazed over. They don't have, they, what is he talking about now? Would you wake me when this point is over? We had nothing but each other. I was making $2.05 an hour. Woo-hoo. She was making $1.65 an hour, and we were full-time Bible college students. And you know what? We loved it. Absolutely loved it. And I believe we could go back to that if we needed to because the happiness is not in the stuff you have. The happiness is in who you know and how much he has of you. How do you know they were poor? I, I went over this Christmas Eve, but if you take Luke chapter 2, verse 24, the tur- turtle doves, and, and you compare that to Leviticus chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, that was the offering that was made by people who didn't have very much. God didn't say you had to have a young bull to offer as a sacrifice. He didn't say you even had to have a sheep to sacrifice. He said, if you, in fact, you can't afford the bull or the, or the sheep, then you can sacrifice two doves. And then there was the prophecy in verses 34 and 35 of Luke chapter 2 because Simeon had been promised he would see the Messiah before he died. And now, led by the Spirit, he comes to the temple, listen to this, precisely at the same time that Mary and Joseph came to present their six-week-old son. Precisely the same time. Exactly the same time. Same day. And, and as we read that in a moment, the, he was set for the rise and fall of many, for the rise of those who believe, for the fall of those who do not. There was a prophecy, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul, another prophecy that would be fil- fulfilled in 33 years hence. So how does this all apply to us? Because we, so far as I know, nobody here's had a baby in a stable. So far as I know, you know, you haven't had to sleep out. Well, maybe there's some that have had to be homeless or not have a place to stay. I don't know. But here's our potential problems, our disappointments, first of all. It's amazing. We get disappointed about things, and there are people in the world who have nothing over which to be disappointed about not having. They just don't have it. Food itself is difficult to come by. In our disappointments, we ought to be realistic. We ought to lower expectations. We ought to learn contentment, the meaning of contentment. Paul said, not that I speak in respect of want, for I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. We ought to avoid depression. You know what happened to Elijah right after being on the mountaintop, right after running back to the city? You know what happened after that? He went and found, he, he ran as far as he could for a whole day. He got underneath a juniper tree, and he, li- he lay down. He lied down, laid down, lay, 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 he, he was resting under a juniper tree. And he said, God, go ahead and kill me. Nobody else is left. I'm alone all by myself. Just go ahead and kill me. Avoid depression. Avoid getting under the juniper tree. Avoid curling up into a fetal position and giving up. Because tomorrow will be better in the Lord. Another thing besides disappointment is separation. 
again, we've mentioned it, away from loved ones, homes, uh, uh, family that you know. Okay, adopt a family. Invite somebody else over to your place and bring them in. Take care of them. Do something nice for them. Take them presents at Christmas time. Uh, maybe invite them over to your house for, for New Year's Eve and black-eyed peas and cornbread or something like that. And does that ring a bell with anybody, black-eyed peas and cornbread? Yeah, I feel like uh, I feel God calling me to Cracker Barrel in Yuma uh, over New Year's Eve. Give yourself away to others. Give your, you see, don't be so concerned. I, I, I knew a pastor one time, he said he had a lady in his church who would always, he said she was always having nervous breakdowns. Said she'd just have one after another, nervous breakdown. He said one day he saw her in the hallway and he said, he said uh, how are you doing? She said, oh, pastor, I'm just not doing very well. He said, here's what I want you to do. She said, what? He said, I want you to bake some cookies. You want me to what? I want you to bake some cookies. And I want you to go to the hospital. And I want you to go up and down the hallway. And I want you to just take a, a cookie in to people and give them a cookie. She said, oh, pastor, I don't know. No, just do that. He said a few weeks went by. He saw her in the hallway. He said she had a big old smile. He said, how are you doing? She said, oh, pastor, I haven't got time to talk. I've got some more cookies I'm taking out today. I'll see you later. You know what? When we focus on others instead of ourselves, things get a whole lot better really fast. Don't be as concerned with getting as with giving. In Acts chapter 20, verse 35, I've showed you all things so that so laboring you ought to support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Anybody with kids knows that's true. It's more blessed to give than to receive. How about this one? Here's one of the problems, our potential problems, too much togetherness. <laughs> on one hand, on one hand, you don't have family. On the other hand, too much togetherness. Okay, what do you do? Shorten the time that you spend with difficult people. Not that anybody you know is difficult, but I'm just in case. And if you don't know anybody difficult, you probably are the difficult person. Uh, be a companion of good people, uh, not those who are hurtful. Uh, don't hate anyone. Don't hate the cave of Engedi. David found himself in the cave of Engedi. And there was, he, he was hiding in the cave because Saul was seeking David's life. And, and so he's back there in the cave and he's got some of his warriors around him. And Saul comes in for a little while and, and, and the men say, look, look, David, God's delivered your enemy in your hands. You can go right now. You can kill him right now. His soldiers are outside. Do it right now. God's done this. And David went over, drew his knife out, cut a little bit piece of his garment off went back and they said, what are you, what are you, what are you doing? What are you doing? Shh. Saul went out of the cave. David came to the mouth of the cave, gave a salutation to his beloved king, to whom he was still loyal, even though the king wasn't loyal to him. He said, I got men in here. He said, they said, they said to kill you, Saul, but I, haven't, I didn't do it. I cut this piece of material off your, your, your garment. Check and see if it's not the piece of material of your garment. I could have killed you, but I did not. And I, I, I even regret doing this. David didn't allow hatred in his heart. And I'm going to tell you something. Hatred be, it comes about and causes bitterness. And bitterness is poison that you drink to get even with somebody that you don't like. Poison that you drink. To get even with someone you don't like. Instead, see them through God's eyes. Love them. If you, if you, you know, I've had people say, preacher, I cannot honestly say, I can't say I love that person. I, I would be lying if I said, then do this. You be a conduit. 
You be a pipeline and let God love them through you. Don't give in to hate. Complications of sin. That causes all kinds of grief. Alcohol and other drugs. The Holy Spirit doesn't come in a bottle, folks. Ephesians 5.18 says, Be not drunk with wine or success, but be filled with the Spirit. Sexual promiscuity. Stay away from the rooftop of immorality. King David can tell you about that. Revelry, the wrong kind of parties. You know, there are certain kind of parties you just don't need to be around. The, the exact opposite, laziness. The, the, sit, eat, watch TV. Sit, eat, watch TV. Go to bed, get up, sit, watch TV. Be on Facebook. <laughs> I won't stay on that point too long. Go to church. Spend time with God. Worship. Do things for other people. Do what's right. Finances, plan to spend less. Too late, preacher. Where were you last week on this point? Don't go into debt. The wisest man who ever lived said, the rich rule over the poor, the borrower is servant to the lender. The borrower is servant to the lender. Be debt-free. Financial Peace University, great thing. Materialism is a worldly value. I don't know what I think about that. You ever listen to the radio show, the Jesus show or whatever it is? Uh, I don't know what I think about that. This guy claims to be Jesus and everybody calls him on Sunday mornings on channel, what, 600? Uh, Kogo? Yeah. And he feels, but he answers, most of the time he answers the right way. And I'm I'm like, I'm not sure what I think about him, but... You know, someone called in today and says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. All that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world passes away and the lust thereof, but he that does the will of God abides forever. Folks, we're not to get so entrenched here. We're not to get so tied up here. We're not to get so weighted down here with the things and the stuff of this world that when the rapture does take place, we're going to get a hernia because we can't, you know, we're, we're being pulled and, and everything's pulling this way. That's not what God intended. We're to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we're to love others as we love ourselves. And we're not to love this world system. And then there's physical illness or accident or deterioration, flus and colds and cancers and heart problems and, and schedules. Schedules? How does your calendar look in December? What does it look like? Is it just solid ink in, in, in the whole month? Chris, is it with church work? I'm telling you. If you're not careful, you can get so booked and go so much that you don't have any time to even get along with God or to think. Cut your calendar. Prioritize. You cannot do it all. Even Jesus departed by a ship into a desert place. The world's going to hell. And the Son of God who came to seek and to save the lost got alone with his father. Overindulging in food. (laughs) Okay, next point. I don't mind preaching on your sins. I just don't like. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. In Proverbs 23, 21, the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty and drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. 
So, you know, he's equating drunkard and glutton all in one thing, uh, all in one verse there in Proverbs 23. So it's important to God. It's important to us. De-stress your life as much as possible. He promised peace, didn't he? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. So what's the cure to all this? Well, the cure is a person. The person is Christ. I told you about Simeon. He said, Mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people, Israel. A little bit later on in that chapter, Luke chapter 2, Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher, was of great age. She had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. She was a widow of about fourscore and four years. She had been a widow for 84 years. And she never left the temple, but served God with fasting and prayer day and night. And she, coming in that instant, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spoke of him to all that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. So let me just close with this. She had faith as did Simeon, seeing and believing Jesus Christ, the Son of Almighty God. She had an attitude of praise and worship, as did the shepherds, as did the wise men, so with Simeon and Anna. She renewed, they had renewed peace, verse 29. As a result of salvation, they were able to be at peace. They had renewed obedience. They continued, and it, it infused them with energy to serve God, and they had renewed outreach. She told everybody about the Lord. How many people have you told? And have I told about the Lord this year? Because we've got about four more days. And 2015 will be history. We've got a new year coming up. 2016. If you have your bulletin, would you take it out? This is going to be kind of different. The invitation, okay? This is going to be different. Because I want you to get your bulletin. And I don't know if you've read the bulletin. I don't know if anybody reads the bulletin. But I'm going to read part of it to you. The year 2016 is right around the corner. This is the time for New Year's resolutions. I know, I know most of you are broken. Most of those are broken within a week. I'm not asking you to make any promises that you don't intend to keep, but I'm requesting that we, make, we all make some commitments to God that we are willing to keep. And here are the suggestions. First one, I will read through the entire Bible in 2016. Let's show the next slide. Okay. I have, to the best of my knowledge, I've read through the entire Bible Every year since 1974, I was challenged to do it by a preacher. And it is amazing. It is amazing. And it's very, very, very doable. It's not, you know, it doesn't take forever. 15, 20 minutes a day, you can read through the entire Bible. Now, I did it back in the day when I just started in Genesis and wind up in Revelation, kind of plow through Leviticus and Deuteronomy and, and get in some of those, and Isaiah and all the major, and the minor prophets. And I'm going, oh, I'm so tired of people being, you know, cut to pieces and thrown to me. But, you know, you get through it. But you know what? With uversion.com, I don't know how many translations there are, but I, I assume when they say 1,228 versions available, I don't know if that means 1,228 translations or 1,228 plans with different translations because there are dozens of translations. So I read sometimes, I read originally all King James, and I've read it 
through the NLT, and I've read it through NIV, and I've read it through uh, the message, and I've read it through um, something else that I'm not thinking of right now. And I, I just, I, every year, and it, it chops, it, it makes it in little bite-sized pieces so you can get it done. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. How do you read through the entire Bible in a year? One bite at a time. And it's very doable, very easy. I recommend 895 languages if you want to do it in French. You got, you can do it in French. Merci. Huh? Francais. See, oui, oui. Okay. Uh, there's a kid's version. Get your kids reading this. It's a kid's version. They do their own. They can highlight. They can bookmark. They can, I mean, it's incredible. 15, 20 minutes a day, the Bible in one year. If you don't do anything else for God in 2016, get through the entire Word of God. That's Him speaking to you. It's His love letter to you. If you have ever said, man, I wish I could hear from God, and you're not reading through the Bible, you're missing it. Get in it and do it. So what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to check that. I will read through the entire Bible in 2016. This would be a great help. You'll find a translation, a plan that you like, um, and, and check it out. The second thing is I will endeavor to be in God's house every Sunday unless providentially hindered, which means you're dead. Or pretty sick, or in a full body cast at Coronado Hospital, or something like that, or at Great Lakes, and so you can't make it for a while, something like that. Or Chris, you're pastoring your church in Venice Beach, so you can't be here. I understand that. Chris, Chris and uh, and Stephanie uh, visiting today. We were on staff together uh, for uh, not long enough, but we were on staff together, and he's pastoring a, a, tr- a great church up in Venice Beach right now. You ever go to Muscle Beach out there? Sure. Show off your biceps and stuff? No? Okay. All right. Thanks for coming down, man. Appreciate it. I will endeavor to be in God's house every Sunday unless Providence. You know what I think? I think you ought to be in church every time you're in town here, Steve. If you're out flying somewhere, I understand that. You know, you, you, you can't always be here, work sometimes. And some of you guys in the Navy uh, have to have duty and so on. But I understand. When you can. Third thing is I will honor God with my tithes and offerings on every blessing that God gives me in 2016. With the parentheses, if you have never given consistently, begin doing so. If you tithe, increase what you give a percent or two. If you already do more than tithe, practice extravagant generosity. Someday I'm going to preach on that. Extravagant generosity. Uh, It's amazing what God does when we become extravagantly generous with him and and, and with helping others. You can't outgive God. If you've got financial trouble, one of the first things you want to do is start tithing. Start giving God his his 10%. Then the last thing is here, I will set aside a time to pray, to talk with and listen to. Prayer is not just you talking. Prayer is listening to God every single day, and I won't go to bed without spending time with him. And if we get to the end of the day and we are absolutely thrashed and we're ready to drop into bed and we haven't spent time with God, get on your knees and spend some time with him. These things could revolutionize your life and your church in the coming year. Would you bow your heads, please? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let me, let me ask you a couple of questions. First of all, if you're not saved, if, if, you, if you're here today and you say, Preacher, I don't, I don't know. I've got to be honest with you. I don't know if I died that I'd go to heaven, Preacher. I'm not sure about that. And you let me pray for you. I won't embarrass you. I promise, but just with every head bowed, just slip your hand up for a minute. Preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. If I died, I'd go to heaven. Hold it up real high for just a moment. As far as I know, God bless you. 
God bless you. Okay, thank you. Father, I do pray for this one right now. God, I pray. You know I've been praying for this person. I pray that you would show them that your son died for them on the cross, that he was buried, that he rose again, that he's coming back one day, and that it's a sense of urgency to make sure we're ready when that time comes. So, God, I pray that you would lead this person in the way that you see fit. With every head still bowed, every eye still closed. How many would say, preacher, I'm, I'm going to give thought to, serious thought to, either reading the Bible through, or being in church faithfully, honoring God with my tithes and offerings, setting aside the time to pray. With one or more of these things, I'm going to give serious consideration to this year. Would you raise your hand up real high? Hold it up real high for just a moment. This is fantastic. This is great. Would you stand with me, please? Our Father, we come to you right now, Lord. We just come thanking you for the blessing that you are, what an incredible blessing you are to us on every single day. We thank you for a brand new year just around the corner. We thank you we don't have to wait till January 1st, that we can start right now serving you, putting you first, and having our sins forgiven, and being a new person in Christ, and having a whole new outlook in life. So, Father, we pray that you would speak to us, that your will would be done in this service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing a verse or so of invitation. And if you need to come and receive Christ, I'm going to ask leadership to come down here and just come and, and, and tell them, I want to trust Christ as my Savior. I want to join the church. I want to be at the new member class. I, I'm praying about these things. Whatever it is that you want to do as we sing this verse, Danny, lead us. Leadership, come on down. Love so undeniable.